Are we live? We're live. Thank you. Episode zero zero two. That's that's what I like to hear. Love it. How's it going, Connor? It's going pretty well. How how are you doing, Trevor? Doing good. I was just playing some Deus Ex, which in typical fashion I'm really late to. But (laughs) yeah, you you were telling me about that yesterday. You were just like raving about it and saying I would absolutely love it. It's just like the coolest coolest yeah. cyberpunk world in video and games absolutely listened to you and went and bought two other games um i bought uh what, what did i grabbed today i picked up doom which i sent you a picture of earlier because i was really excited about that it's <laughs> yes installing on my ps4 as we speak and then i also picked up a game called darksiders 2 which uh my friend tim herber recommended to me and hopefully we can uh, get tim on here at some point i think he would add a lot to our conversation but yeah, that'd be fun. I so which Deus Ex are you talking about? Like the is it what's the first one? Uh, or um, I guess not the first one, but the first current console one. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Mankind Divided, and I think okay. the last one that was on the 360 was like Human Revolution. Yeah, I I've got them both. I have Mankind Divided on my PS4 because again I got it at the same place I get used. I got it for like fifteen bucks, and then um. I've got uh, what's it? Human Human Revolution. I've got that one on my on my Xbox. It's like a backwards compatible game, and I haven't even cracked either of them open yet. Human Revolution was like a really good game, but they did this really goofy thing where I kid you not, they contracted another studio to do their boss fights for them. Wait, what? Yeah, and what ended up happening was like you literally end up with this game where you're like playing through and you know how it is with an RPG. Like you learn how to navigate the world and like right. how to stealth and like how to fight and like what works and what doesn't. I kid you not every single boss fight you get to that. All that goes out the window, complete all of it. Uh, uh, and that's... when you're someone like me who plays like a predominantly stealthy build, right? Like, especially I just remember the first you pay, you play this tank and like you literally just, are physically not equipped to beat him. Like there's not enough tools Ugh. for you to beat him. Took me days. That sounds frustrating because was, yeah, like especially games and and I think you and I really are similar in that in that way is especially games that give you a lot of tools to kind of circumvent doing the traditional you know shoot him loot him you know move to the next room beat that guy up do the next thing you know kind of stuff like that where it says. Be creative. Do something different. Uh, if you complete the game without killing anybody, you get extra points, like Dishonored. God, I love yeah. Dishonored. Oh, my goodness. Dis- yeah. you, you can completely play the entire game without killing anybody, which is such a cool concept and so rare. Yeah, in you all- could do that in this. Oh. Um, and in this game that I'm playing, the last point before we actually get to our freaking topic. Um, right. <laughs> this is how deep it is. There's a quest where I need to get somewhere. I'm in these like slums and there's an option where I could get this pass card that would help me get to one of the places where I'm going. It's not required, but it's optional. And the guy that I was supposed to get it from was captured by the police. And he tells me like, Oh, one of the cops took it from me. Maybe you can find them. So I don't have to get this, but I could. Ooh, right. I'm walking through the market and I kid you not, there's a cop on his cell phone bragging to another one of his cop buddies about how he picked up a key card and he thinks he knows what it's for. 
there's no Hell like yeah. icon over this like the game doesn't tell me that this guy is like useful i just have to like listen dude okay have you have you tried playing the new hitman while we're on this topic like i'm not gonna let this go no i i need to i played the one before it Ab- absolution absolution's okay absolution was like super railroady which for hitman is such a bummer because hitman when you when you mention like the way that you you overheard this guy saying i've got a key card ha 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 hitman that's like the whole premise of the game right like you're plopped into this open-ended level and you're told you have to kill this guy go and that's it that's and, amazing um, and Absolution was different because Absolution said, okay, you have to kill this guy. And it gave you kind of four predetermined paths, all of which were very action-y. Oh, yeah. That you could do. and But, like, the earlier ones, like Blood Money, which, God, I love Blood Money. And the newest one, just say, here are all of the tools. This is a playground. You need to figure out how to kill this guy. And the newest That's Hitman amazing. is so ridiculously, absurdly fun, which, like, to plug... My, my guys at Gi- Giant Bomb, who have created, honestly, the funniest party game I have ever encountered. I bought Hitman for this reason. You can, you can do, like, a roulette where it'll, you can say, you have to kill this guy, but you have to do it using a chef's implement. And you have to do it while <laughs> this costume. Like, it's hilariously fun. <laughs> it's stupid fun. And it's a game that I, I, I think everybody that likes kind of stealth-oriented, even puzzle type games should absolutely own because it's it's so it's so entertaining that's incredible all right well uh, shall yeah. we shall we get to our topic for today i think we should you should you should tell us what our topic is today so we it's focus in on an incredibly late fashion the 2017 game of the year awards not <laughs> by game of the year awards ago. it's like picks as far as like late to the party goes, we're only a month late. Um, I know. As for the as for the games I I mentioned, I bought today. I'm pretty sure I'm over a year late in the case of Darksiders. Maybe three years late, and Doom. I'm probably about a year late. But yeah. Either way, I have plenty of late picks. Heck yeah! Likewise, I've got maybe one came out in 2017 pick. <laughs> Me too. It's more affordable that way, actually. Too. All right. So uh, let's actually kick this off with a quick brief state of the union for each of the consoles. Um, good, good choice of words considering what happened yesterday. Oh yeah. Unintentional. <laughs> Yikes. Um, no comment. Yep. Anyway, um, both on like just the, where the industry is with the console and right. where we are with the console. So let's start with Xbox, our bread and butter. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the entree to every, gamers unless you're like a pc guy which i'm not because i that's so far over my head it's absurd but it's like it's the cornerstone this this is the cornerstone yeah even though i would argue that they're probably in last place right now for consoles oh without um which is a problem and it's kind of depressing but yeah we both are primarily xbox guys that's the first console we had um i mean for this generation right um that's where we play most of our games unless they're exclusives elsewhere. But yeah, they're in last place. Um, they have the game pass going on and it sounds like they're really ramping that up. This is a move that like you wouldn't do if you weren't in last place where they're um, bringing all Xbox exclusives to that $10 a month subscription, which is insane. That's like, that's like Netflix level, but way more 
of a value because you're paying 10 bucks. Like if you pay, um, you pay this for, for a year, right? Conceivably, right. you only have to play two games on that to make it worth your money. And then everything else is literally just like icing on the cake. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So. I feel like we're probably not going to see the traditional um, console cycles anymore, but um, like it's going to be harder to predict. And I think we're going to have more incremental hardware updates. But I think this is an indication that we're on like the downhill of this generation where we've like past the halfway mark right or even more maybe and I'd, microsoft I'd, is scrambling for two years we're two years out from a new console at the yeah i think you i think you nailed it right there yeah um two playstation 4 i want one i don't have one i'll, I'll tell you what i picked one up uh, i got one in november with black friday i uh I, for, for anybody who listens to this or is remotely interested and for, and for your interest, cause I think we mentioned it briefly. Um, I, I teach, that's my career. Uh, and I picked up my, my teaching job at the beginning of November and I quit working at another school as a substitute nice. and I was working as a bartender before that. And so I had a lot of tip money to, to blow through. So when black Friday rolled around, I went out with like a couple hundred bucks and just said, you know, if something catches my eye, I'm going to get it. If I go, I've been wanting that for a while. I'm just going to pick it up. And I saw a PS4 with a, it was one, one terabyte hard drive and it was 200 bucks. And I like bought a ton of peripherals and a bunch of games for it and just went sweet. Now I'm ready to rock for next year. And man, with like the release schedule that's coming out next year and some of the games that I played on PS4 thus far, I think it's been the best investment gaming wise that I've made in, in a long time. Well, maybe since if you refer to our last episode to Destiny One, that's like the last best investment I made. But <laughs> this one, I'm I'm so pumped about it, and I'm definitely going to bring up a couple of games that I played on there for our talk later on in this episode. It's it's amazing. Um, they have some amazing games on there. I would argue that like literally my two best, my two favorite um, game series are The Witcher, yep, and Uncharted, yep. And Uncharted is on PlayStation, and I'm not a PlayStation guy. I played all the older ones on a PlayStation 3 that I bought really, really late in the game. Yep. Um, I actually sold it last year, finally. Ah. Uh, because um, I'm need i planning on getting a PlayStation 4 in the next, like, 12 months, probably. Because I need, I need to play the new Uncharted's, and I need to play The Last of Us that's coming out, and I need to play Bloodborne. Well, The Last of Us 2 is coming out this year. Oh, yep. I got to add a most anticipated here. Hold on. Um, clearly in first place. Sony has the most powerful hardware. It yep. keeps its value the best. Yep. I would say it's better manufactured. Like, I just actually sold my... Um, <clears throat> excuse me, my Gen 1 Xbox One. It was like day one. It was the white one that came with that Sunset Overdrive game. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah. Bef- that? Before the, they released white a, as like a colorway. Was that like the slim or the, was that an, an OG one as well? Yeah. No, it was OG. It was the only white OG. Every single other one was black. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. I loved it. It looked really good. It kind of felt flimsy. I have an Xbox One S. Um feels much better industrial design but like playstation's always been that way one thing i can throw out for 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 xbox and microsoft's uh improvement in just the way that they've taken their hardware from the og xbox 360 which still remains 
like in my personal opinion the best console ever made i'm gonna yes. put out there it's it, like that one is, i still have one of my one of mine i went through like 10 of those suckers <laughs> out because they kept burning out i've got the og xbox one i bought summer out and it has not you know croaked remotely and it's not it doesn't feel super sturdy but it is like it feels like a workhorse and i've carried it everywhere i've carried it to college i've lived in like three different places with it um and things rocking and rolling it does not look good it does not sound good it does it, <laughs> it has nothing it has nothing remotely over the ps4 and how cool it looks but it, it still works and that's a huge upgrade in the last generation's hardware so i got to give it to Expo, to microsoft for that even just the base model and i can only imagine that the s and the uh what's it the one x the x bone yeah we're calling it now uh, is <laughs> undoubtedly so props to them yeah totally um i think with the 360 they built like obviously a pure gaming machine and then like, right through operating system they basically were like holy crap we could make it do all these other things and they turned it into like a home entertainment thing right. which completely like revolutionized the industry i think that xbox which was just like a magician's trick it was ridiculous i think they counted on having like a second life with the xbox one yeah. a little too much like sony really focused on launch because they're like we're gonna commit ourselves for like the next six years whatever plus and xbox was like this is amazing but we'll probably figure out some more stuff and i think that sold themselves short for sure um three pc that um, is going to be your area because i've got a mac and most people who would be in the gaming field are going to say why the hell is this guy even talking about games in the first place <laughs> mac like, i'm marginally better because I've built myself a Hackintosh. <laughs> that's legendary. Um, that's that's respect. It was so hard. It yeah. was so hard. Um, but I learned a lot. Um, I love it. It's not my primary device. I will say Civilization VI is unbelievably good. Just so good. Uh, I, I, I think I've got Civ Five. Uh, I think I've got it on my Mac. And Drake, my, my little brother Drake and I, who, again, another person I'd love to get on this on this uh on this podcast um we we play hours of that game like we'll sit there and we'll play it and it'll be just the two of us just controlling one country just talking together and then we'll realize holy crap we've been doing this for hours oh yeah and six is a huge upgrade on that oh, so sure i think more people are playing pc and that actually was a little bit because of PUBG, although that's now coming to consoles um and I also think like the way that consoles are kind of becoming more like stock PCs almost. Mm -hmm. The world is like not merging, but like nearing each other. Like I think it used to just be like, oh, I can't imagine being one or the other. But now it's like more relatable. But I don't play much. There's not that many games. Like if it needs a, a controller, I don't want it on my computer. Mm, that makes sense. Console. I want to put in a disc, install it and play. But Civ 6, man, it's really good. Um, finally the switch dominated 2017, right? Oh, like it just, without a doubt, like I, I, it's, it's got so much going for it. And I think you can get Nick picky about like, like different aspects of the hardware from what I've seen. But again, this is kind of your area of expertise, but from someone who doesn't own one, anytime I'm in like a game store, or I'm in an electronic store. I look at one of those things and I go, 
really want one. I oh, really, it's so really want good. One. Like, uh, it's it's getting to me. It's so nice. It's like, it's funny too, because like the tech is actually like, it's a tablet, really. It's like an Android tablet, effectively. And it's not even like that cutting edge of a tablet, which cracks me up. Although I think that's going to make it even cheaper in the next like year or two, which is going to blow everybody away. Um, it's good, man. There's like a couple of complaints, but hilariously, like I found that the complaints that most people have, they're like already jumping ahead of themselves where this console is doing what no other console has ever done before, which is take like pure console games and made them portable. Mm-hmm. Like this is gen one, like this has never been done. Right. Like the Xbox one was not the first home console, you know, but the switch is like the first portable true console. For, um, like in, 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 from what I've heard, it rocks it like doom. It's on the switch, which I, I, I bought it um, just recently and I, I haven't dug into it yet. And I'm really excited to, but the game, from what I've heard, is just, like, dynamite. Like, I've, I have not seen a negative review of Doom at all, um, and which, which is kind of a marker for why I was, like, 20 bucks. Hell yeah, I'm going to get into that. Sure. Nice. Like, I, I love this. And um, it plays on the Switch. It's a handheld game. Like, you can carry it around and play this apparently super competent, graphically insane first-person shooter on a handheld console you carry around. Damn. Like they did a good yeah. job. And they've brought developers in, like with new games, with old games being ported over. It literally took them, like, all right, they weren't going to go out of business. Like, their handhold, handheld, like, market was nailed down with the 3DS. I've always been, like, tempted, but I never pulled the trigger just because, like, I can't stand the graphics. Right. Um, really cool stuff, though. But, like, this effectively saved Nintendo. Like, they weren't going to die, but, like, it was bad. <laughs> they they were not they were not in a, in a good spot. It was it was not a good place to be. And they've gone from last to second place. I think the PlayStation Four is like obviously going to be the best like hardware this year, or I mean this generation, which is like not fair because it's not portable. But the Switch, I think, could become the biggest selling console of all time. It could, it could definitely could depending on and and again this this really depends on how how uh, Nintendo's taking or planning to take it. Because when you consider like Nintendo's consoles in general, they kind of almost have this really hyper fast release schedule. And I think what they need to do in order to make the Switch as successful as it could be is they need to back off on that and say, okay, um, we've got this idea with a Switch. Instead of saying, what's our next console? You should say, what's our next upgrade to our present console? What's, what's a problem we're running into right now? How do people feel about the Joy-Con? How do people feel about um, our current uh, marketplace offers? You know, like focus on roughing out or or, sorry, smoothing out the rough edges and really take what what, like that, that diamond in the rough and really polish it up. So then everybody's like, damn, I need a switch in the same way that people used to say, damn, I need an N64. Like I, why don't I have that yet? Like I need to bug my parents to get that thing because I did, and my parents said, nah, dude, you suck at school. And that was just what <laughs> But, and now I'm a teacher, so there you go. Like, you know, karma, I guess. But <laughs> any, but you, you, you know what I mean. It's like, it's, they, they need to refine it and focus on, we need to build it up rather than say, what's our next step, you know? Yeah. Um, which, is why, which is why the PS4 and why the Xbox One are so in such a good place. Like, even when we say the Xbox One is in last place, that's like a very perfunctory sort of 
oh, you're in last, but it's only because your competition just like really knocked it out of the park this year. You know, yeah. like they really kicked your guy's butt. And yes. that that's just kind of where it's at. So we'll we'll return to looking forward later on, but let's get into our first category for game of the year. And the way this is going to work is it's not relegated to just 2017 releases. It's whatever we played and it's whatever our personal pick is. We're not going to like debate and like come up with this like number one pick. Right. It's just our picks for each of the categories. Um, so biggest surprise <laughs> for me, that was Mafia 3. It blew me away. Um, and you've been tied about it a lot. And so I'm like really excited to hear about it because I remember from, from an outsider's pr- perspective, I saw the premise for this game and went, that is, geez, they, they, that is, you know, that is one subject matter you can go with, uh, that you, you go with that. I hope that works out. That was like my perspective on it. And then you it, rave <laughs> about it. And so I, it's hear- so much fun. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's, it's what you expect for sure. Um, the graphics are not perfect. I think that the city that they've built looks good. Like it's fine. You know, it's like not an incredible engine, but it looks good. Um, the characters are just incredible. Like the writing and the acting is just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a difficult game. Like you can play like, it really easily. Like this is not a game where you're going to go like, oh, right. this is really challenging me. What you need to do is you need to like approach each scenario and choose like, all right, I'm going to do this with a shotgun or like with a sniper rifle or like, Come in. All right. Um, sorry. Those that. <laughs> is is that the wife? <laughs> no, it's my sister. Oh, um, hi, Maddie. So, but it blows me away. It blows me away with how fun it is and how good the story is. Um, yeah, it's not challenging, but it was just like they did such a good period piece. It was incredible. Which, um, which, is, which is the draw to it for me, because the original Mafia games, the reason why they were so fun is because they did the period so well. Um, and, and Mafia 3 takes on a, a, a period that seems really, really challenging, which, like, I know a little bit about it, but, like, what specifically is, like, the period draw to it right now? It's just, like, they actually go for it. Like, it's like the racist South, and this guy goes on this, like, huge vengeance vengeance like rush but and and then i'm gonna iron in on this trevor but like when in the racist out like what time oh this is um it's like the 50s or like early 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 60s yeah Um, dude that subject matter man that's hard like man that is a hard hard nut to crack because when you think about it so much of our even current political climate is based on that and they said no you know what we're gonna make a game about it we're gonna do it and you it's actually, the... yeah, like, sorry. Dang. It's, no, it's it. the 70s. My bad. I looked it up. It's actually the Vietnam War. I have terrible American history, but. Which, which, the at, the, heat... which at the same time, at the same time is like, damn, that is a really, really hot button topic because you, you can focus on while wow, the 60s were, were like the hotbed of civil rights. You know, again, okay, maybe I should jump off my history teacher soapbox before I get on it. But like that was 
that was such a hotbed for civil rights activism. But then even following that into the Vietnam War, you just have a you've got war veterans. You're still dealing with the aftermath of the civil rights movement, which there was an aftermath. There continues to be almost 50 years later um, and all of this insane content. And it's and it's right there. And they made a video game about it. It sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's Hey, man. Hey. All right. So, so that, was, that was a solid little break there. Nice. So uh, what's what's your biggest surprise of last year? So initially, I was going to say um, that my biggest surprise was Horizon Zero Dawn, because it usually takes me a little while to get into um, single-player games, because I get distracted. I, I'm, like, the worst at saying, I'm going to play this. And then I find something else and go, I'm going to play this. And then I'll have eight games going at once and none of them are finished. But <laughs> that one ensnared me. But since I'm going to talk about that for another category later, my biggest surprise was Far Cry Blood Dragon. Yes. Like I've, I've had people tell me like multiple times, Connor, you need to play Far Cry Blood Dragon. Um, and I had never gotten around to it because like the Far Cry games, the third one was the only one that ever really did it for me. And the others, I'd play them and get bored uh, because it, for me, it felt like this is just Far Cry three, but in another game, like in another area, it's, it's got a new character, I guess it's got new guns, I guess, but everything felt the same. This one was so far into my uh, aesthetic wheelhouse where it's got Michael Bean as the main character, Rex Powercolt, shooting <laughs> laser guns and flipping off nerdy scientists, all while retro wave synth pop and electric guitar shreds in the background. And it's so 80s Americana. It was literally everything I've ever wanted from a video game. And it was so fun. It was buggy as all get out, but it was stupidly fun. So... I went into it thinking, oh, this would probably be okay, and I couldn't put it down for, like, the, the four days I played it over the summer. I just could not stop. It was so entertaining. It's just such a blast. I played that game, actually, going back to my PS3, like, the guy I bought it off of. It had right. that on the hard drive. It's too much fun. doesn't it take was... itself too seriously. <clears throat> I think it's, like, that self identity that some developers have that make like far cry blood dragon or even something like mafia three, which is like a super serious topic, but it's like, they right. just realize like, this is what we are. This is what we're good at. We're not going to BS anybody into doing something else. Let's just have a good time. Right. Like you can tell they had fun making it and they weren't like full studios. Like For sure. far cry, far cry has Ubisoft, but this was like a little hit squad that built this game. This, this was a group of guys who loved 80s movies and said, dude, Far Cry is, like, perfect if we wanted to make, like, this super uh, Predator meets Terminator 80s movie. And they did, and it's so good. And it just made me happy. Every single second I played it, I was just thrilled and entertained. It was so fun. It's too funny. All right, well, surprise now, category, Mafia 3, Far Cry Blood Dragon. Simple. Straight and locked up. I wonder how old Far Cry Blood Dragon is. I'm actually going to look that up. Look, it's, uh, I'm going to guess, uh, seven years. 2013. Ah, uh, five. That's, uh, yeah, that's not far off. Holy five crap, that was five years ago. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. <laughs> late that's to the party. I'm super late to that party. Man. It's a good, it's a good party, though. 
Yeah, it is. It was a great party. Very um, epic one. So favorite aesthetic. So this is like the vibe, the feel, yep. the world. I'm excited for this one. Um, my pick is kind of a cheat. Well, no, it's not literally a cheat. Nah. Like I got my Switch late, late 2017. Right. And I got Zelda really late 2017. God, that is the game I would literally buy a Switch for. I see so much about it and I go, that looks like a game that I would not be able to put down at all. I would sit there. I'd, 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 I'd have a hard time not taking the switch to my classroom. <laughs> and like, I'm locking my door in my prep and playing freaking Zelda in the corner in the dark. It's like, ridiculous. While, you know, it looks that appealing. It's, it's this art style that actually like looks amazing despite not having the most powerful uh, graphics card <laughs> in that little tablet. Right. It looks beautiful. It's also, this is a testament to a developer taking like four, five years to build something. And you can just tell that polish is there. It's like right. the opposite of the Assassin's Creed problem. It just has such a good feel. It's so unique. You just constantly have this like sense of wonder. Like there's always like this discovery in that game. Easily my top pick for best aesthetic. It, it looks... It's got like like and and I want to and I want to bring this up because you said it looks like it's not running on the best graphics card, which it obviously isn't on a tablet. But I think it also brings in a question because my my top pick for aesthetic is also not this like gloriously detailed and graphically intensive game, because I feel like aesthetic it's not so much the visuals that really count, but like the overall feel of your game, where. Totally. Um, to to bring in another game that uh, kind of does have those extreme visuals, but its aesthetic is so definedly, you know, Polish. For instance, The Witcher Three, like it's it's got just it's so Eastern European. It 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 breathes it, like it 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 exudes Eastern European in just the way that the, the characters act, the way they talk, the way the music is, the way that everything is kind of constantly blowing in the wind. You feel like you're in a place and. Breath of the Wild looks like it's got that. And so that's always been like a draw for me for that game. It looks it looks really good. It's so much fun. And I actually have this on my Switch, ironically enough. And I thought about it because it does have that super good feeling. Like those small ways that they animate those characters is so fun. Right. Um, yeah, so my, uh, my pick for best aesthetic is uh, Darkest Dungeon. Because... Uh, again, for for me, so much of, of an enjoyment in the game is feeling like I've really bought into a place and it is something that really feels like alive and it's got a, a definite, like, this was our goal in creating our game. And Darkest Dungeon just borrows so heavily from one of my favorite sort of universes, one of my favorite uh, authors, uh, so much from H.P. Lovecraft that it just, oh, it, it, like, like a, it quite literally bleeds it. And when you're when you're going through a dungeon, you're going, I'm having a good time. This this is going okay. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, oh, the tides have turned. And the narrator <laughs> jumps in with his deliciously written, God, it's so good. It's, oh, it's the best. Like, oh, it's it's and then you you lose like an entire group of adventures you had from like the beginning of the game and and it's despair sets in. You know, uh, it oh it's it's so perfectly designed and done and it keeps dragging you back in. Because it's so, it's so full of despair. Like you, you, you will not win. You will not have a good time. This is going to be bad, and it, but in the best way, where it's just twisted and it's. Ugh, I love it. 
it's it, it was so well done it's so good and without like that writing and that world i think that game would feel just unfair yeah <laughs> but it's like they they write it and show it and the art is just so brutal that it's like okay like this is just like the worst but in the best possible way. Like, so. like you, you know what you're getting into. But, and, then the, and then, like you said, the writing and the design is so brutal that the successes in that game feel like $10,000. Like when one, of your, when one of your characters succeeds on his test of like willpower, his test of faith or whatever it is, like, you know, he breaks that threshold and he succeeds, you go, that's my boy. And then when he doesn't, then it's just, oh, God, like this entire run is just going to be hell now. Like my character has just lost his mind. And like that being a game mechanic and that they did it so well and so convincingly. Good job. Good job. Man, great pick. Like I actually almost picked that as mine. Yeah, it's it was like when I looked at aesthetic, that was definitely, oh, yeah, Darkest Dungeon, hands down of the games I played last year. That's the best aesthetic I saw. That's brilliant. Good pick such a fun game um one that i'm learning too because like that's a skill game that you learn it's like a card game yeah basically but like without cards you you go in you go into each each round like each dungeon trip that you plan out saying i'm going into the what, what is it the wield i think and i i know i need to take i know i need to take like poison cures for this because there's a lot of like pigs with poison knives and they're gonna barf on me and i all right i know i need to go into the uh, into the cove with characters that can do tons of damage to eldritch creatures, because you're going to have these creepy, nasty uh, eldritch things, a la Dagon, if anybody has ever read any H.P. Lovecraft. Like, you basically fight Dagon in this game, and it is it is as creepy and terrifying as it sounds. Um, but I I love everything about it. I, I, I've to, to reinforce how much I love this game... I have it on my iPad, which I got because I bought it early access on the Mac, like through Steam when it came out, um, which is about two years ago, I think, when it came out. Uh, I know I got it on Christmas Day, and that was when it came out for like early access. And then it's available on PS4, and I'm kind of thinking about getting it again, just for the ease of access so I can actually play through it, which is not financially good. <laughs> you know, there it is. Yeah, it's a it's a really good game, and it works quite well with a controller, which I was really pleased to find yeah. out. Um, we may have to revisit that game with its own dedicated podcast because I'm like literally sitting here. I have a page of notes as I'm learning strategy from like my playthrough and YouTube and stuff. Dude, you should send me those notes so I can use it on my next run because that would be fantastic. Oh, it's yeah, sure thing. Um, all right, so best aesthetic, Zelda, Darkest Dungeon. I really like those two picks. Those are just a couple excellent. good picks. I, I agree entirely with both of those. All right, biggest disappointment. Here we go. For me, this was Metal Gear. Is it Phantom Pain that's the full game? I, I think, always mix it up. Like the first one, the one before that, it was it. Um, uh, it's Phantom Pain. Pain. Phantom Pain is the long one, but uh, yeah. I feel like you got to box them both. You got you got to include them both. That's the same game. They, he just like pre-release like a hour and a half right build of it. Um, this will definitely be getting its own podcast, but um, this Ideally, is an am- I 
play it too so i can throw in because i own it it's just every time i start playing it i i don't know what it is maybe you can kind of enlighten me a little bit more on what it is <laughs> from jump we could actually also do a series where we do um some check-ins on how as you play it but um it's mm. so it's hideo kojima who right now is building he's making that um game with his own studio he's split off um Oh, what is that game called? Death, How am I blanking Death, on this? Death Stranded? Death Stranding. Death Stranding. That's it. It's Death Stranding. Yeah, that's it. What's so, Marcus? if you watch those teasers, he has a crazy imagination. He's doing really weird stuff, right? I, I, would, I would go so far as to call Hideo Kojima the Francis Ford Coppola video games. He's so good. Metal Gear as a whole is a military like espionage like it's kind of like splinter cell right one guy infiltrating big outposts running missions it's really 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 good at that even though it's japanese and got some quirks but then it's got hideo kojima quirks so then randomly there will be haunted like you'll go up against this like spetsnaz group that's like literally like haunted possessed spetsnaz operatives and then all of a sudden you know what this storyline's getting boring here's a bunch of boobies and then boom you've got a character oh, yeah. naked the entire campaign for whatever she's reason. also like the really sad thing is she's actually written really well she's just uh-huh. like, not wearing enough clothes dang it um yeah, she's got a super good character arc. So basically, it's like you have this like world-class military sim that is like kind of unrivaled. And then you just have these weird tangents of the story that yank you out of this world, to me. Some people adore it, and I'm not going to fight that. Like, it's really, really good. But right. it feels like Hideo Kojima is like world-class at running a game studio. And he likes like Americana military. That's that's his bread and butter. He loves it. He's so into it. So he's like doing that. But then I think like all this Death Stranding stuff that he had has been like rattling around in his brain and he's just figured crazy ways to splice it into his games. And it's become like a part of Metal Gear. But like I would have rather had like Metal Gear just be the military espionage. That makes sense. It's really funny, too, because, like, there's, like, super hyper-realistic aspects about the game, like how the guns handle and how they sound and, like, how you have to reload. And then, like, when you climb ladders, the sound effect is, like, crunch, 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 crunch. It's, like, super arcade. (laughs) And, like, when you alert um, an enemy, there's that famous Metal Gear, yeah, bring that chirp. It's it's got to it's got to incorporate all that fan service because like Metal Gear is such a it's such a cultural icon. Like right. the, like you see you see TV shows and stuff incorporating the bling like exclamation point when somebody notices something or the stupid question mark above a guy's head. Like yeah. that is that is such an iconic thing. And so I feel like they they had a they had to reconcile like these are the things that make Metal Gear Metal Gear like the crazy alien things or the stupid ghost guys or the, the weird flipping naked dudes and all that. Like, like you have to have that in there because that's what brings your metal gear fans in. But then you've also got to have this really convincing military sim. Right. Like, and I played a bit of it. I played maybe the first, I, I, you know, hearing you talk about it, maybe the first like 16th of the game, I guess I thought I put a ton of hours into that game 
and apparently I barely cracked the surface, but where it took me like an hour and a half to infiltrate a base because I was being so sneaky where I'd have to like sit there and wait because, oh, I, I, I have to move. No, wait. Nope. There's a helicopter coming. I keep waiting. Oh, wait. No, now time to move. And that sounds super lame. But at the same time, I was like, holy crap, this is so intense. Yeah. Like, and there's some I people who... this is going to go so far to hell. Oh, man. And <laughs> that was cool. But then I could not figure out the story. I had no idea. Why is there a telepathic child with like floppy sleeves throwing fireballs at me? Why Ugh. demon guy on a horse? Um, who the heck is a guy named after a pistol? And why is he also named after a cat in the same name? Like, I don't, I don't understand where the writing is going here. And that's probably like what really prevented me from getting into it was not, I could not process where the story was going. And see, I'm so like messed up by this game that you just described it way better than I did. <laughs> Those are the problems. And it's like, it's so good. And I get why people love it. And I get why they couldn't get rid of that stuff. Like that is Metal Gear, but it's just like, right. it's so enough, like as not a Metal Gear fan, like I get why people love it. But for me, it's just like, I don't need all this craziness. No, really don't. Like I could have, I could fine. I could have been fine with a mission where I extract the honeybee. And instead of there being nine hopping, monstrous Spetsnaz soldiers, I just have a bunch of Spetsnaz commandos who show up and I have to have a firefight with them. That would oh, be yeah. fine. That would have been way more, way more palatable. Even if yeah. it had been the exact same thing where I'm bobbing and weaving, trying to dodge bullet blasts and rocket launchers. You could have done the same thing without the weird, creepy, spirit-possessed demon guys. And I would have understood it better. It would have made more sense to me. Well said, sir. And yeah. the there's a difference between not following the story and and following it and realizing it goes nowhere. Like, do not count on an ending for this game. <laughs> Dang it. That's that's what would really be a disappointment there. And you really put a lot of time into it. I know some people have put like 300 plus hours into it. This is like their favorite game of all time. They just like can't get enough of it. And I, I get that. Like, I'm not going to say it's a bad game. It was just so disappointing to me where it was like I could simultaneously love and hate it so much. I mean, but... I put I put to that, like, you know, probably close to 1500 hours in Destiny 1 and that game only got a six. So <laughs> who am I to talk? <laughs> it's what it is. All right. I'm going to brace for your topic because I have this game on my shelf and I've realized over the last few months I wasn't following the news on it. And then I've like kind of realized by osmosis that I need to be braced for this. You need to be braced for it. It's going to, it's going to hurt. Um, so my biggest disappointment of 2017, and you said that Zelda was kind of your cheat topic. This one's mine. It's <laughs> like the, the kind of, it makes perfect sense. And there's no other game I would pick. Mass Effect Andromeda. Easily my biggest disappointment of 2017 because the original Mass Effect trilogy, I I will say to anybody who asks me, the absolute best thing that came out on the last generation of consoles, Xbox 360, PS3, anything you could have played, Mass Effect was going to beat everything because Mass Effect had story. Mass Effect has a world that beats out my favorite world of all time, which is Star Wars. Mass Effect is better. Like, I'm sorry for all of you Star Wars fans. Mass Effect does it better. Like it's it's it takes all of the impressive in integration of like humanity interacting with alien species and gives it like a geopolitical standpoint. It makes it feel real. It gives it this human this human existence. You it feels lived in. 
And, and Mass Effect 1 through 3 just delivered on that so well that I could sit there and I probably could tell you quite a lot about fucking Elcor. Like, even to this day, like, I know enough about them that I could tell you about them. And when a world lives and breathes like that, you expect it when it when they're saying, I've got a new game, I've got a new trilogy for you, we're going to take it into a new galaxy, it's going to be incredible, it's all about exploration. You go, oh man, this is like, you know, Space Odyssey meets Mass Effect. Dude, I am so ready. I'm getting, like, to, to clarify how hyped I was for this game, Trevor, I got chills talking about something that I know failed. <laughs> like, that that's how cool that concept was to me. And I... I I bought Mass Effect Andromeda. I downloaded it. I had it like pre-ordered so I could play it the hour it came out. And I sat down with like with like a beverage. It was dark in my room. I told my girlfriend and my family, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to any of you. Mass Effect Andromeda's out. Like I want to do this first hour. And God. Oh, it's it Oh, it's it's the worst. It just sucked. What's wrong like, with it? Because it's like Star, like the world is like Star Trek plus Star Wars, which is but brilliant. it's but it's it, it, like the Mass Effect trilogy, the original Mass Effect trilogy was Star Wars plus Star Trek. Like you've got this overarching narrative where you have to save the galaxy, but you've got these interactive alien species with all of their backgrounds and their histories and their different cultural aspects. And Andromeda says, like, you know what? No, we're gonna throw out that shit because that shit sucked, and we're just gonna make it like this stupid shooter where you pick up op items and you make a new gun and you go to a new planet and you do all these collecting missions and it's just boring. It's just boring and dull and lifeless. There's no, there's no inspiration to it. There's no, um, there's no impressive character building apart from a couple NPCs, which were admittedly really good. Like they had a couple good NPCs, but nowhere near the caliber of Garrus, who is, Hands down, best video game character ever made. Garrus Vakarian is flawless. He's my favorite my sidekick. He's ever. my boy. I, I like of of any virtual reality character where I like who would you who would you meet? Garrus. Garrus and I would would Garrus and I would definitely go for a beer and I would talk to him and he'd be my best bro. Um, everybody else like was just boring and lifeless. I was not interested. And when you're playing a game that you should by all rights love because it's got uh, space jetpacks and really cool guns and it's like in a great system where you can go from planet to planet and explore the different planets. That's a great system for any game. And the fact that it's so boring and you just, I, I never finished it. I got, I got a third of the way into it and just said, no, nope, you know what? I'm bored. And I stopped playing it, which for a mass effect game is a massive disappointment. Like I'm, huge. I'm not sure if I should try it or not because like I loved that series and I wanted to see where it goes and like my friend Quentin was like saying how it's more Star Trekky in the way they like lay it out and your crew and your mission. I I guess <sighs> he loved it, but he acknowledged its shortcomings. I and and I and I and I know Quentin and I'd love to have this talk with Quentin because like I want to hear I want I want Quentin to convince me to play it. I guess is is my thing. Is I wanted to say no. You really need to give it some time because I I got I tried. Oh, I tried. Oh my God, I tried. <laughs> and and after a little while, I just you know went no. I I don't care. Like I don't care about your character. I I, I don't care about this world you're building because you're you're the whole mission uh, according to and I and I won't spoil it too much. But according to what your 
your directive is for you're going to new into a new galaxy you're trying to set up relations like you go into you interact with an alien the first time you interact and i'm thinking oh this is the part where i get to talk to him and i get to like try to make this interaction happen it's like nope shoot him oh i'm just dude that is such an that is such a like bad narrative ball to drop like if of all the of all the things you could have carried through that one right there should have been the simplest it's like make that dialogue happen and then even if you kind of railroad it into degenerating and then you fight them fine but why did the dialogue not happen yeah is, is my problem so and, and then and then that problem first this you never have that dialogue it's always just nope shoot it and I hate that. And I really, really don't like it. And it's my biggest disappointment of 2017. Yeah, it's disappointing. All right, biggest disappointments, Metal Gear, Phantom Pain, Mass Effect, and Drama. That's a brutal category. Yep. It's, it's hard to get through, but I'm glad we got through it. Speaking of Mass Effect, I'm going to do a hit and run with a topic. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Dragon Age Inquisition, I thought, was light years beyond any of the Mass Effect stuff, and I loved Mass Effect, but it, it was like damn the, good. I'll get, I'll it get. was like their culmination of like Bioware RPG skills. And I get like if somebody likes the sci-fi better, that's fair, right? But my gosh, that game was good. I I think I think the reason why I'd give Inquisition a leg up, and I don't just simply because I got so into the sci-fi world of Mass Effect. And I and I had a harder time getting into Thetis just because I I don't think I had the background for it, um, which I loved it. Which I I did love I did love Thetis. I really did like it, but at the same time I wasn't as invested in the world as I was in Mass Effects because I think I played one through three. If I had played Origins two Inquisition, I would have been way more bought into it. Um, I just played Inquisition and it worked for right. me. And, and I get that. Be, and, and so I think that's that's like my differing thing. And so whereas I'm like a rabid Mass Effect fan, like God, I love Mass Effect, the original trilogy, um, Inquisition, I really liked and I got and I really enjoyed it and I loved playing the game, like the mechanics of that game as far as like an open world RPG fighter goes and like but you make it tactical. Everybody take note. That's how you do it right there. That was the perfect mix of where I felt like I was playing an action game. It was, in fact, probably more along the lines of a real-time strategy game, but I had no idea because I was sitting there hammering my button, trying to, like, kill the guy as fast as I could and, and fighting dragons and stuff. That was good. Really, really good. Um, Andromeda, shame on you because you could have <laughs> taken from that, but you didn't. That's hilarious. Uh, All right. our, our, next, our next category, I'm realizing, is a bit redundant, but we'll touch on it anyways. Favorite console? Switch at the buzzer, literally for me, right at the end of 2017. It's blown me away. That's all I need to say. Is it? Is it? So just just to touch on it really quick because I want to find out: is it the portability of it, or just the the game the game console itself? Oh, I should say, yeah. So it's really fun to play, and the hardware is really good. But ultimately, like, what's the difference between an Xbox controller, a PlayStation controller, and even yep. a Switch controller? Like, I think. I think the Switch controller is super advanced, especially the way that you can split it off and like put your hands in whatever configuration you want, which is really comfortable. But like ultimately, you've got two bumpers, you know, ABXY, two, two analog sticks, like et cetera. Um, it's what it allows you to do. And that is like, if my wife is watching TV, I can sit by her on the couch and play. 
Dude, yeah, that's pretty legit. Instead of taking up the TV. And socially, when you start jamming on a console, there's something with your family about like, yeah, they'll talk to you and stuff, but you seem more detached with a switch. I don't know if it's like phone culture or something where it's like people don't feel like I'm not present as much. I mean, of course, it's not the same as like talking to people in a conversation, but yeah, it's interesting. It's and then also the ability to like I went on a trip and I played Zelda on an airplane. That's like, and I'll tell you from, from my perspective, I've, I have this, this just thought process because Skyrim's on the switch. And, uh, and again, we'll get to Skyrim on our next topic, you know, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But um, like the idea of having portable Skyrim for me is like, well, rip every other game I ever buy. This is going to ruin everything I ever do. Like that, <laughs> because, it's it's that the fact that you could have something that cool and that open-ended portable oh forget about it what a great what a great idea yeah i'd love to do a review of it once i've had it for a few months for so, sure likewise we'll, guess for i'm 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 fully like keeping notes on what i like and what i don't like yeah so your favorite console was the playstation 4 like of last year i i, I in the same in the same boat i had it for about a month two months i'd say about two months and in those two months i didn't touch my xbox like my xbox sat there on my dresser and i only played my ps4 the only reason i'm using my xbox uh which at my new place is because i got monster hunter world for it uh and i'm playing that with a couple of friends and they all have xbox otherwise i'd be churning through the games on my playstation because that's the console i'm enjoying i like the setup i like the I like the I I like the controller feel. I didn't think I would. I really like it. Um, I like the the user interface features on it. I like the way they've designed it. It just it just feels nice, and the hardware is just incomparable. Like it, everything on it works so well together. So PS4, my my favorite console. Not to, not to mention that. Basically, all of my most anticipated games for next year are PS4 games. Like, that that's the real win for me, is that I bought this thing. I cannot wait for it to, to have it next this year. Like, I'm so excited. That's so awesome. It's a yep. good console. It is. All right. So, favorite console, Switch, PlayStation 4. Sorry, Xbox. That's really awkward, because we're yeah. primarily, like, Xbox guys. But... Work harder, Microsoft. Get, get those third-party titles back. Get, you know, get some, get some good stuff going. So next category is the best staple game. It's like our bread and butter. What do you keep forever? What do you play all the time? Or just, you know, like any time of the year. For me, that's FIFA. I am a big soccer fan. I think FIFA is by far the best um, sports video game. NHL, I think, has comparable advanced gameplay, but it's always lacking in like career mode and franchise mode, etc. Right. Um, Plus, I'm just a soccer guy. It's so good. They nailed it this year. Um, Like every year, kind of last year's problems get overcompensated for. So you're kind of year by year, you know, improving in some areas and then having new weaknesses, et cetera. Those show up a lot more in multiplayer because, you know, like humans really try to break the system. Especially when you're playing against each other. Launch in September. This was the best online experience I'd ever had. And the way that they did that is they slowed down the game a tiny bit. 
because like there's a legitimate strategy in soccer where you press it's like a basketball press um, right for defense but people were kind of just maniacally just like berserk press like they press it every moment and then they try to counterattack and get a fast break at every moment and that's like the only way they played and you could get around it but it was just like mentally exhausting that just sounds sucky yeah, it's not as bad as I'm saying, but it's just like some play. Like usually, like if you're a good enough player, you can just destroy those people. But um, right. they slowed down the game just a touch and made it a little bit more cerebral, which is kind of what we were talking about with Destiny. Actually, mm-hmm. made it more strat- strategic, um, and that's gone a long ways. That's uh, I. I'd like I'd like to devote an entire episode in the future to you convincing me to play it because a couple of my roommates in college never did anything but play FIFA. I had an Xbox 360 in my room. They brought in their own copy and played it in my room. <laughs> I played for hours on my Xbox. And I'd sit there and watch them and go, yeah, this, this looks like you guys are super into this and I just don't get it. So I, I have FIFA 17 on my Xbox right now because I've got um, I think it's EA Game Pass or something like that. Yeah, And so I, I haven't managed to crack into it yet, but I do have it installed and I've been looking at it and going kind of side eyeing it. But the background is, is that I'm not a huge soccer fan because as of right now in my current living situation, I don't have access to watching a lot of sports. And so um, the sports I do love, for instance, football and basketball and hockey are like my three main sports. I'm so far behind on understanding what's going on in each of those sporting worlds that people say, so you like football, right? And I go, yeah, I love the game of football. Okay, so so which team are you rooting for? And I go, honestly, I don't know, because I don't know what the team dynamics are anymore. It's like, I, I love football, but I have no idea what's going on in them. That's where I'm at with FIFA. It's like, I look at that and go, that looks like something I could get into, but I have no idea what's going on there. Oh, man, if we had the same copy, like, it's my thing to teach people soccer via FIFA. It's so well, good. The I, I, guess, I guess what I got to say is then maybe our next episode could be convince me on fifa and if if you convince me dude i will i will pick it up and i will try i have to show you though like that's yeah. the problem is like i have to show you this this game is so brilliant the sport is amazing and i would like don't i wouldn't even touch it on your own because like the thing is it's different than like football like you buy madden and there's one league right yeah soccer there is a league in every single country and all that's those things dope. are available to you and it can be pretty overwhelming that's that. I think that was my main issue when I tried to play it in college. They're like, pick your team. And it's like, here you go, 300 teams. And I go, what? No, you need somebody to teach you how to play the game. And the other difference is in soccer, your roster, like the team that you put on the field can be a variety of different combinations of positions. So it's different than like basketball. If you pick up basketball, you know, I've got two guards, two forwards and a center. Well, in soccer, you can have a ton of different combinations and those have different like behaviors and like they play against each other differently. And it's like, you just can't walk into that blind. Right. I mean, I did, but it took me a really long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to learn. yeah. I was so bad. Um, so I, I'm not surprised by your pick. <laughs> it's Skyrim. Okay. It's yeah. Skyrim is just my staple. It's like, it feels like, like a like a nice comfy couch in a in a warm cup of joe on a sunday morning it's like you know i've 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 kind of i've kind of burnt myself out on the soup like for instance 
Uh, I'm, I'm big at my other staple that I was going to go to, but I did not because I don't think it fits quite well into the staple field would have been Dark Souls, uh, just as a general rule. It's just because I, I just love playing them. And anytime I'm like burnt out on another game, I play Dark Souls. But Dark Souls, as its nature, is a burnout. Um, and so even when I get burnt out on Dark Souls, I go, I'm sick of dying to this boss. I go and I play Skyrim because Skyrim, I can mod it if I want to. Thank you, Xbox. That's, you know, thank you. That's the main reason why you get turned on now is because of Skyrim. Um, like all those different reasons it just makes it such a good, good go-to. You go, I've never played this way before. I'm going to go in. I'm going to throw on this mod. Oh, wait, I could play this way. I've never tried that. I'm going to do that. And it's just, it's, it's this endlessly, literally endlessly replayable game that you could constantly play it and it never runs out of ways to impress you and surprise you. And Bethesda, like guys, if you don't top Skyrim because Fallout 4 was a mess, I'm sorry, it was not good. Um, you're, you're, you peaked because Skyrim is, is quite honestly probably one of the best games ever made. If not the best RPG game ever made. Even even with my my babe, The Witcher, this one's better. Just simply because of the replayability and the way that you can come out of the game saying, "Wow, you did that! I did this!" Or, "Oh, this is the way I play that game." You know, like the like that being its 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 experience just makes it such a great staple. Yeah, it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Everyone right. played it. Everybody owns it. Everybody should own it. If you don't own Skyrim, what are you honestly doing? If you're if you are into video games and you do not own Skyrim, you're clearly doing something wrong, and you need to go play it because you're, you're going to enjoy yourself. Even if you're like, but I only play Call of Duty, which is not a bad thing, you know, do your thing. But you, need, you owe it to yourself to try it. You just give it a shot because I think you'll enjoy it. That's awesome. All right, let's uh, take a break. Gabby just got here. Sounds good to me. I'm going to go use the restroom. Cool. Um, right. I'll hop on Xbox, and you can... Get, hit us up there if you want to chat with her. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good to me. Awesome, right, man. man. Good work. That's a good place to break anyways because yeah, game of the year needs to be big. We can take over. Uh, we can do most anticipated games for both of us because that's going to be like a reason for each one. And I think we both got about, about <laughs> nine like anticipation. Okay. Oh like gosh. a piece. So um, do that one because we've got a lot to do still. But yes. Good, good place to stop. Awesome, dude. Great work. Yeah, likewise. See ya. All right, bye. All right, we're back. Indeed, we are. Another another week, another, and that hopefully we'll get through. Uh, but we'll see how it goes, eh? Yeah, refreshed by that week long bathroom break in oh, the I middle know. of our episode. It was a it was a uh, a long long release of the imported fluids i don't know why i said that but you know what it's that's <laughs> kind of weak this has been so far <laughs> let's keep rolling that might as All well right. the meat of our topic game of the year yep. with the caveat of this is late to the party game of the year so it doesn't have to be a 2017 release game at all like games games that without a doubt came out i think both well i think honestly my my game of the year was a game that came out in 2017 I could be wrong. I lose track of these things sometimes, but I think year two 
one of the two, one of the two that you're kind of like hovering between definitely came out while I was still in college. So. <laughs> yeah. So I'll kick it off. Yep. This is games we played last year. I actually finally beat The Witcher 3 <sighs> last year. So happy for you. So late. I That came out in, t- this says May 19, 2015. The reason Wait, I was so late. Three years? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, almost. Jeez, dude. The reason I was so late, well, there's a few reasons. The first one is when that game released, I bought it. Mm-hmm. And I was playing it, but I was living with my in-laws who didn't have like hardwire internet. Yeah. And my Gen 1 Xbox actually like was making a terrible fan sound. It made it out of the box. And I didn't, I was like, man, the fan's really loud. And then my friend visited town. He was like, dude, your Xbox is way louder than mine. I was like, crap. So I had to mail it in to get fixed. Uh they, They wiped the hard drive. And the problem is, Oh dude, I remember that saves are backed up via internet this generation, which is like, I don't even think about that now because I have internet all the time. So I literally had like 10, 15 hours into it. It's like my favorite game series. It was, it just gutted me. And I hate replaying stuff too on top of it. So it's just such a bitter taste in my mouth. So it took a little while for me to return to that. Then I had to restart. Then I had to catch up. And then beyond that, I've just been savoring it because I know it's the last Witcher game. Um, which uh, I'm okay with. You know what, dude? I know they said it's the last one, but yeah, business is business, my friend. I wouldn't count it out until we know for a fact. Like until <laughs> until it's been like five years. Until until you and I both have like grandkids, then we can say, yeah, that was the last Witcher game. That's how long it with the, with the way this industry goes with remakes and all that kind of stuff, like and re rebirths and so on and so forth. I would be shocked if we get in the future, some kind of uh, Geralt's, you know, origins, like his training, his, you know, all this different stuff. I would not be shocked. I wouldn't even mind a different character. No, um, same universe. Let me play Lambert's story. Heck, let me play Eskel's story, dude. I would love that. Eskel, a game with Eskel as the main character would be so cool. That would be. But, like, I think that they're focusing on cyberpunk right now, which I think is going to blow people away. Um, last I knew, that got bumped to, like, 2019. Or yeah, it's it's another later. Out, which is fine. Let I trust play. them. Yep. That's, for me, it's like, that game. that game's on my radar in the sense where I, it, it's like in a Cold War sense, where I'm looking at it, and I know it's there, and I know I should be worrying about it, but I'm not because it'll it'll happen eventually. It w- it will come to a head, and when it does, then my hype will destroy me. So, <laughs> well, and the reason I trust them is because they're like CD Projekt Red. It's just so good. Like the whole world of The Witcher is so amazing because right. like it's handcrafted. Like every bush, every tree, every twist in the trail is hand placed. There's no computer generation. Yep filling in the gaps which is just incredible it's it's definitely got that that draw and and i feel weird like saying about this because if if i hadn't beaten this game and i think i beat it in 2016 like i think i beat it the year after i graduated from college i was i was still living at home and witcher was the only game i was playing 
Um, and I almost put this as my game of the year, except I realized that uh, the only parts of it I played in 2017 were the DLCs, which we will get to later. Um, but I, I, I beat this game, and I got to the point where, at the end, no ending of any video game has had me at such an emotional crisis where I was like literally in tears with how I thought the game was ending for me because I'd spent so much time over like my college career and reading the books, getting attached to the characters in it, that the world building in the Witcher is very nearly unmatched. Like, I, I, I could say the only other game series that quite has the same emotional context with me where I feel attached to it would be mass effect. The only other one. And that's something to say for, for people who have played both. That's kind of the top level. You don't beat that. It's, it's impossible to beat. Yeah. And the combat's just amazing. I mean, they're the ones who like made sword and board possible on console in like real time, like fast strategic combat. It's an incredible game. Um, With a very nearly flawless. And you know, like it's a weird world where there's like a lot of magic and like strange things happening, but I feel like everything, the consequences make sense. Like you don't feel lost. There's no loss of immersion either. Like you take an action, there's going to be a reaction, whether it's what you intended or not. Right. Um, also like coolest culture in video games ever, the Skelligas. Oh God, the Skelligas! Like the Skellige makes the the people that live in Skellige and The Witcher, and I I recently uh, last week I named Skyrim as my you know my favorite staple game, and I love everything about that game. Skellige is like Skyrim but better. Is is kind of like the way you look at the culture and that they <laughs> present in that, and it's so weird to be able to describe a video game group as a culture, but the weird thing is that they have culture. Like that's the that's the best part about it is that there is definitive culture, and I realize I'm I'm almost very nearly stepping onto my geography teacher soapbox there, but <laughs> it's like it's very definable. You can tell when you are speaking to a Skellige character in um, in The Witcher. You can tell like it breathes the the entire game world. It, it feels alive and every character in it has this background that is just connected deeply to the roots of their culture. So that is unmatched. I, I love everything about it. And I wish people that I tried to talk to about the Witcher would give it a chance instead of saying you're overhyping it. And it's just this huge circle jerk. It's not, there's a reason why this game has won somewhere around 270 awards. I think at last check, hey, there's a reason it's it's a it's a masterpiece it's incredible yep. yeah every every different like all the different people like the peasants or like depending on what city they're from or what country they're from behave differently i do have two complaints okay. they're not huge but they crack me up <laughs> one is this is a classic video game problem uh-huh. where at the very beginning you get told the world is burning down your mission needs to go really fast or the like everything's going to end and that's not the case like you should take your time going <laughs> through the world that you 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 are fully within your right as Geralt to romance as many women as you possibly can uh and like yeah you should go and like slay every bandit that lives on every square inch of the really massive world like grand theft auto level massive um world and uh 
I mean, Grand Theft Horse, I guess. Grand Theft Cart, I don't know, the fantasy equivalent. Um, stay tuned for my next Dungeons & Dragons campaign. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, like, the 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 pace of it is so is so at odds right with like the way that you say this is a world ending activity the same thing could be said about said about skyrim like the dragons are coming back the apocalypse is nigh but you should straight up go and collect as many mushrooms as you can and make a potion do your thing like yeah and explore. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and it's like this jarring thing but i think it's also kind of um it's pandemic to just rpg games in general is if you want to make a world spanning uh quest then you can't have it be time sensitive or else nobody is going to enjoy this living, breathing world you've created, which is kind of, it's, it's weird. It's, it's must be incredibly hard to manage, but yeah. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have entered into that Gwent tournament, like that high class Gwent tournament with like shady characters and intrigue in it. Like if I really was listening to the mandate of the game, like I'm not going to get into spoilers, but like you would do like, 10 missions oh. and you'd only do that many because you had to oh. <laughs> um so that just cracks me up and again i'm not going to go into spoilers the ending was odd i like some of the people hated it i'm not going to hate it because like there are points along your playthrough where like certain decisions you make matter more than you would suspect it does not feel cheap um I disagreed with the conclusions like, you know, something would be happening between me and another character and I would make a decision based on like, oh, I want to support this character and I, you know, choose the dialogue Mm -hmm. later on in the game at the very end, stuff like that. They'd be like, well, that character turned out to have been offended and felt like you didn't um, want to look after them. And I was kind of like, that's like the opposite of what I said. Right enjoy the journey not the destination i thought the destination was like fascinating from a world building standpoint but like and you know and i take early of the ending and i think this is something that you and i talked about a little bit after you beat the game because um and again not to divulge any spoilers uh everybody that is playing the game currently knows like they they don't disguise the fact there are multiple endings to this game that you could get um and they all play into whether or not you played the second game um you're knowledge of the world how much time you've invested in it again how much how much what your decisions were in these very very few and far between and very quick like reaction time events where you can say either i'm responding negatively or positively here uh and that like decides the course of the world which is hilarious to me but but also in the inter- in an interesting way, I, I am immensely satisfied with the ending of the game and it could be just because of the ending i got i got the from what I've read, the good ending, like the best possible ending you could get. Um, But I think part of the reason why I did that and why I was able to just do it, because you and I played the game the same, where I interacted with characters the way that I felt I should do them, or I, is is in the case of Geralt, should do them. And uh, in doing so, I drew on my experience from what I perceived as Geralt as a character, and a lot of it really rate like the the very quick sort of you know i i do this thing and it's like you said something specifically and you go that wasn't that big of a deal but it actually has world spanning con like uh consequences i think a lot of the game itself really deals with the idea of fatherhood and being a a, a specific 
uh, identifiable character in somebody's life. And when you make those very brief sort of statements as a role model, a defining character that other people look up to, those have far reaching circumstances and how you choose to do that really helps shape a person. And that's like the context of this game and the Witcher story as a whole is how is a single person developed by an influencing uh, personality. And I thought for video games, which are so open-ended, this The Witcher, good luck everybody else and good luck CD Projekt Red beating that because that was, wow. That, what a, like, yeah, man. It's a masterpiece. It was, so. it, it's, to this day, I'm I'm looking for a game that could possibly beat it for like my favorite game of all time and I haven't found one yet. I'm still looking. So my other pick that's kind of a tie, um, slightly more timely, is actually Dishonored 2, which is closer because it released November 2016. Oh, way closer. <laughs> and I, you know, I like picking up these games like less than full retail. Um, this world is amazing. Um, I think it does a better job than The Witcher in that the stakes are crazy high, but you're only a small piece in a giant world. Right. So you're fighting over kingdoms, but you know that those are only, you know, it's like the politics of those two kingdoms. And you know, you don't know much about the world, but there's a lot of other places out there. And I like that because I feel like The Witcher kind of suffered from that kind of like Marvel superhero movie thing where it's like the entire universe is at stake. And it kind of distorts the urgency and the timing and the story a little bit. Dishonored 2 feels extremely important and critical, but like you don't get pulled out of the timing like it makes sense. And I have to say, Arcane Studios, have you played Dishonored 1 or 2? I played them both. It's so, uh, so good. My question is, so this, without without spoiling either games in case anybody wants to go and play them, because you absolutely should. If you're interested in RPG games, first-person games, stealth games, just games with a really good story, good environment, good art, good gameplay. Dishonored and Dishonored 2 are both games you should at least check out and give a try because they are excellent experiences. But for Dishonored 1, uh, how, did, how did you play the game? What, what was your play style, if, if I could be so uh, like nebulous in that question? <laughs> a little nebulous. Like how, did you, how did you approach situations in that game? No, it's a good question. Um... You kind of touched us on this when we were talking about The Witcher, but I play these games as if I was in the shoes of that character at that moment. So I'm not one of those people who's like constantly trying to clown around. I'm not one of those people who's trying to break the system. I'm not a person who tries to be a jerk in every situation. I genuinely um, play how I feel mm-hmm. in that moment. So especially with like, there's you know, there's that one character that you kind of have a vendetta for in one yep. you can choose to kill or spare them would you actually do? i spared them because <sighs> i felt that they were being manipulated dude congrats i yeah nice um but there's other situations where i'm so pissed at somebody that like it's their time so hey. and then yeah in during the missions i play stealth i try to avoid um avoid too much conflict and if something goes wrong, I try to play it out. Right. So I try to live with my mistakes. Um, it's tough. 
it, but man, the the world that they've built for this game is just crazy. Like the magic system, the world is so crazy dark. The culture is interesting. Your decisions matter. Your playstyle literally matters from one mission to the next. It's a great series. Oh, without a doubt, it's it's fantastic, and I think it's it's even more important to highlight on the fact that like you can definitely play in the shoes of your character because I did the same thing. And I'll tell you, so in my first, um, in my playthrough of Dishonored 1, because I've only played through both once, and that was enough for me, I, I think is, is kind of where I'm at. Because I know people that, that play through both games, and they try to do speed runs, and like you said, they try to, like, break the game, which I love watching those videos, but I don't have the competency or hand-eye coordination to ever do anything on the level of those people that do that. Like, props to you. Incredible. But when I do play the games... Uh, I, I also put myself in the in the position of the character. And for my playthrough of Dishonored 1, I didn't kill anybody except for that character you spell, spared. That is the only person I ki- killed in the first game. Are you serious? Yep. You did a non-lethal until that moment? I early non-lethal playthrough until that character. And then that character, I said, no, you know what, dude? You die. And I killed him. Even though uh, he was he was, like you said, in the manipulated sense, I perceived Corvo as a character who was just, if you were, you know, incapable of getting, you, you were manipulated, dude, you used your powers, the same powers that I have for wrong, boom. and Totally valid. And so, and so that was the way I played Corvo. And then in the second game, um, my cor- the, the way I played Corvo was a lot more loose. I did not go non-lethal. It was very much a... And again, I played it from the perspective that I felt Corvo would, ha- would have is, is he's coming from the events of the first game and going in again without spoiling anything, going into the second game, the urgency is far more up like the, the context of it. If you choose to play Corvo, which I did, I, you know, that's, he's my boy and voiced by, um, gosh, who was, hold on, let me look it up because it's so good. You have to highlight the voice acting of Dark uh, Dishonored 2. Steven Russell. Steven Russell in Dishonored 2, everybody play that game because Steven Russell is so good. Oh, he's so good. He's so I actually, I played with Emily. No way. Yeah. Uh, but and the I, fact that you can play the whole game with yeah. two different people who have two completely different skill sets and the world can accommodate you both blows me away. That is, that is an, that is an art form. And I, cause I played Corvo because I wanted to a keep it comfortable and B uh, I just love the character and the fact that Steven Russell was voicing him was too much of a carrot for me to ignore. Like good job, Arcane. That was a really good one to draw us, you know, us back into that character, but Oh man, what a great experience. What a delight that whole series. Yep. I've, I've only ever played one DLC from, the first one i think i might eventually pick up like the definitive edition of both and play all the dlcs um, I'd, I'd like to eventually play this the dlc that came out for uh, dishonored 2 uh which is uh, everybody if you google it you'll know what it's called it's called like the murder of the outsider or something like that that's and, the last one yeah they yeah. have a few so I, I i haven't played any i think there were a couple of dlcs when i rented the game but i only played through the main game itself and then just kind of went nope you know what I'm, I'm good i'll come back to it later if i want to um, which is generally my style with games like that. So, well, there we go. I yeah. was really late. Um, 
you have kind of a real game of the year. Yeah, I, I initially my my game of the year when we first started talking about having this podcast was um, was a little different than this one because uh, my games that I played last year were really uh, thrown around and just kind of all over the place. But then I bought a PS4 right at the end of the year, and of those games that were out, one of the ones that I was really ecstatic to play was Horizon Zero Dawn. And so I picked it up, and I started playing it. And something to know about me before we get into it is, with single-player games, it's got to be a really dynamite game to catch my attention. Like like we just said, Witcher 3, Dishonored 2, Skyrim, all of those have been resoundingly rated 9, to 10, 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10, best game ever made, so on and so forth. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, I started playing it. I didn't play anything else until I beat it. And... I was teaching at the time. I was I was working like, and I I beat Horizon and, dude, it is an excellent game. It's got its flaws, but for me, definitely my game of 2017. It was it was fantastic. It was so much fun. That's so cool. Isn't that one like set like roughly in Denver and like the Rocky Mountains? It is to 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 uh, it, it's not much of a spoiler. It's pretty apparent, especially if you live there. Um, if you're from Denver in the Rocky Mountains, is very much set in the aftermath of an apocalyptic scene in the Rocky Mountains. And I won't ruin the uh, story because the story itself and the reveal for why and everything is happening there and why your character is important in the first place is what catapulted this game into the game of the year for me. Because before that, it was fun. It had its... It's got this really entertaining sort of gameplay loop where you learn about the the machines you're hunting because you play a character with bows and arrows fighting uh, state-of-the-art machines with weapons and, that are modeled after animals. It's a great concept, and the game is gorgeous. But before that, it was just it was just a very pretty game. And for me, I had this the attitude for the first 30% of the game going at it like, this is kind of like Far Cry, but I guess a little more interesting. And I was getting bored. And I had to really push through into it. And when I finally did, and the greater part of the world opened up and the story started going, then I couldn't put it down. And it, it just kept drawing me in and in and in. And, oh, man, totally worth totally worth checking out at some point if you have never. And I, and I can't talk too much about it because if I do, I risk spoiling the things that make the game great. Um, and the only things that wouldn't spoil it would be to talk about the couple negative points I have of the game. So let me ask, I have just a handful of questions that like all popped in my mind at once. Um, so you don't have to say what, but there is like a reason why the dinosaurs are robots. Yes, there's, there's a definitive reason it is told in universe. Uh, you can pick it, you can pick it up. I bet a lot of people guessed it way quicker than I did just from picking up the different little text and audio blocks that you can find around the greater Denver area. But um, there, there are little details that explain why there are, are uh, anthropomorphic machines running around. And like, you know, they're such a, and a, a distinctive piece of the human aspect of Horizon because Horizon definitely feels like a living world. It's got an ecosystem. It's very, very cool. That's pretty cool because I wasn't entirely like just seeing material for it. I wasn't sure if they were just going to play like, hey, you're just playing robot dinosaurs and that's the way it is. But it looks like they have a reason. That's cool. Yep. Um, I guess really it's just one more question. Whenever I saw people talking about it, heard them on YouTube, read about it, 
everyone was always like, this game's amazing. It's fantastic. But it was really weird because like when most people talk about games, it's usually like, oh, this gameplay is really good or it plays this way or like the story is this way or the characters are that way. You know, like people have specific reasons to cite. I never heard like, is it the world that's really amazing? Is it the combat that's really amazing? Is it the story? Like everyone just was like, it's an amazing game. And they never said like, what? Is it just like B plus in all categories or does it, does it do one thing really well? I'd say, I'd say for me, if you were to, if you were to like target what makes Horizon really pop, um, the two things that it does potentially better than most of the games I played last year, most of the games period, is that the first one is that it nails the look like the, the beauty of the world is unmatched. Like it is, it is probably the prettiest game I've ever played. Um, it's got a photo mode that when you engage it and you really look at the sky boxes and the way they designed the game and how everything just has this gorgeous visual style down to how the, all the machines have their very distinctive features where you look at it and you go, that's where I attack that thing. This is how I bring this thing down. Like that's really cool. And I love games that develop in that way. It's part of the reason why I'm, I'm so latched on a monster hunter right now, but um, that's one of the things that does really well. And then secondly, the, the story is what really drew me in. And I know a lot of people don't really like how they did the story. They felt like it had some kind of uh, weak, weak hits to it, but I felt that it just, it, it just knocked its story out of the park and everything. It kept me coming back. I couldn't put it down once it hit its, its kind of critical point. So. And the combat was like really good or like, what does it play like? It's so the combat's like this really interesting amalgamation of, um, and God, I hate being such a trope, but it, it, it includes like the sort of difficult combat status of dark souls where you have to really understand your enemy and how you need to approach them in order to survive. But also it's got a lot of the third person to first person bow hunting preparation sort of uh, combat that you get in games like Far Cry and where you're, you're going into a situation knowing, okay, these are my specific enemies that I've got. I can kill these ones with stealth. I can attack these ones over here if I hit them with like this stun bomb thing and then I can attack them, turn them against the other ones. It, it has a very much like methodical approach and a learning curve that once you start learning how to fight certain machines, like you'll find a machine that you, you go, that thing is about to just wreck me. And then, you know, 10 hours later, you'll see one of those and go, meh, whatever, and bring it down and you'll have no problem with it because it, it teaches the game doesn't just give you better toys. It teaches you how to fight specific things, which is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I prefer that where it's like you're, you're learning a skill. It's not Twitch is your only skill. It's that like you literally learn how to navigate the, right. the like, world. That's the I, best. I learned uh, for when, for instance, the first time in the game where I encountered something called the thunder jaw, which I won't ruin the, the surprise of, if you ever play horizon Thunder Jaws, when you first encounter them, is, is a very much a, oh, God, kind of moment. And you and you fight this thing, and you go up head-to-head -head with it, and you get just wrecked. It's bad. It's, it's, it's like trying to fight a mountain. And then later on, 
after you kind of pick up a little bit on, okay, what do Thunderjaws, what are their weaknesses? What are some things that you can do against them? Then you learn how to kind of manipulate the situation to benefit you. And then taking them down is very routine. You've got a method you, you operate on. And every player plays the game differently. I know that for me, uh, certain things worked a lot better in the way that I utilize them than other people who I talk to. And they said, well, I never really tried that skill because it didn't quite fit my play style. And I, I got really into that part of the game. So again, it gives you a lot of ways to approach combat. But the thing for me is that combat was never the shining feature of the game itself. It was just a, an added on fun part. So that's awesome. That's a great pick. And I love that like the smash hit of the PlayStation four in 2017 was like, a very unique, completely new game. They they took a gamble with that one. They really did, especially when you consider that the, the team that made this game was were the Killzone guys. Wow, that's crazy. Yep. And and all right. And they did this beautiful artistic game. So. Oh yeah, it is stunning. Game of the year: Witcher Three, Dishonored Two, Horizon Zero Dawn. Nice. Boy, I, I really cheated. Old games, two games. <laughs> I mean, you did pick exceptional games, though. And remember, it was it was our be- game you played this year. We're going to have to, like, come up with a better acronym for that. <laughs> yeah, let's come up with, like, a really terrible acronym. Like, um, so, like, G, G-U-P-T-Y. Gupty. <laughs> Sorry, Gupty. All right. So looking forward now for 2018, Mm -hmm. most anticipated games for us to play. So again, doesn't have to be 2018 releases. Um, I need to get to the Witcher 3 DLCs. I've been waiting. I've been drawing it out. I need to do it. Um, I think I'm going to finish. I'm playing Deus Ex right now. So I don't want to play too many RPGs. You'll burn yourself out if you do that. You'll never get them done. It'll just be this just drawn out mess. Yeah, um, I believe like one of them is just an expansion on the given world, but then like another one is kind of like a standalone story. Correct. So both of them, both of them have in a way their standalone stories. Um, the only way that you could kind of factor it into the you know an expansion to the game world is the first one, Hearts of Stone, happens within Velen, which is the first region that you occupy in The Witcher Three. Um, well, actually, White Orchard is, I think, technically, but Velen is the first main area that you get into the main part of the game, and uh, Hearts of Stone takes place there. And then the second one is uh, Blood and Wine. That place takes place in Toussaint, which is another region that is a little ways uh, to the west, I think, from uh, the main part of The Witcher 3. And that one is its own standalone. It's basically it's its own standalone. It's basically a game. It plays as a full game. Um, and oh, I'm so excited, dude. Between the two, um, which one hit me harder? As far as like which one I enjoyed more, uh, Hearts of Stone is far more serious. It's very much like the uh, Project Red's uh, usual brand of writing, where. The villain in that game, and that one right there, is hands down my favorite villain in any video game ever, and nothing will top him. I guarantee you, nothing will come close to him. He is the best. And uh, in uh, 
Blood and Wine. Blood and Wine is very much a lighthearted, passionate uh, goodbye to a character. It's what it is. It's like CD Projekt Red saying, thank you, you character. You have made our career. You have made us a studio that you have put us on the map. And we are giving you this last hurrah. And it's it's very much just a fun sort of romp that you see a bunch of old faces that you might recognize if you've read the books. I did, and it made that one character that comes back just feel so, so good to see him in game. Uh, it, it was just a really good time. I can't wait. And it's funny because like when you talk up a game, you're like the only person where I don't get skeptical. And that's probably only because you're the only person that when I said, when I told the whole world, you must play The Witcher 2, like anyone who played video games, I was just screaming it at them. You're the only one who played. Yeah, and and, and since then, uh, because I played The Witcher 2, I bought it uh, the, the summer I was working at PUC. I bought it and played it, and that's all I did this that summer was play The Witcher 2, and I 100%ed the hell out of that game. And Wow. Like, I, I could not put it down, and then I worked. And ever since that recommendation, when you recommend a game to me, that immediately goes onto my must-play list. Because, ever, like, that was such an out-of-the-park, like, holy cow, that was one of the most fun games I've ever invested god at that time it was like 13 bucks into right but i just went oh man i will play anything else trevor tells me so and it's not even like it came out of nowhere like they yep see like it wasn't like here play halo it was right. like here play this game that you've never heard of before and that it's the second in the series because the first one's so old right like, <laughs> it was on pc only. one came out in what like 2007 i don't even know yeah it's I'll, yeah, I've I'll, played it. Connor. Trevor. I think we need to rebrand our podcast to last to the party. Yep, because we're beyond late. We're like literally we showed up. The, the lights are on. Um, the, the punch bowl is empty. Everybody's left. There are streamers on the floor. Like we've we've missed the party. We're not that far off from fully intended to go, but realized it was too late to leave. Tried for the tried, party. Tried so hard to make it fashionably late and wound up getting there way too late. <laughs> All right. We'll we'll make some more bite-sized episodes moving forward. So most anticipated games for twenty eighteen. Uh you wanna you wanna start us off? Yeah, I'll start Far Cry five. Looks amazing. It looks pretty um, cool. I don't really know why. Like, I don't know how to describe it because, like, I know that you and I have previously spoken about how every Far Cry game is essentially the same. Yep. I guess this one looks more modern. You know, like, the graphics are updated and it looks like they've added a few game systems and and all the characters look great. So it'll probably be fun. I don't know. I mean, and and then I think another thing that the game kind of... um, It does does a little bit of an up on is, like, the last two games you haven't really had much of a moral kind of disagreement to go with. There's not like a whole lot of an ethical disagreement to go with because you deal with like this, uh, you're, you're dealing with these maniacs like on both ends, right? You, in the first one you've got, what was his name? Voss. Or I say first one, I mean, Far Cry three, you've got Voss, um, who was just wonderfully insane, but you never had any doubt in your mind. Like, okay, that's the bad guy. I'm going to kill him. And then in the in the next one you had the uh, I, uh, pagan men I think, and uh, also wonderfully insane, great character. This guy, it seems like like the guys at Ubisoft are trying to make 
um, this Far Cry be a little bit more about, is this a situation that could actually kind of possibly happen? Like you're kind of out in is rural, is it Wyoming or is it Minnesota? I think it's Montana. Montana. Okay. So you're out in rural Montana, which is about as populated as, um, I, there's nothing less populated than Montana. Um, and <laughs> out in like this wilderness and you've got, forgive me or uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got a very, uh, religious kind of new wave, um, cult going on where do you remember those those guys who hold themselves up in that building and had that shootout with the fbi like back in the late 80s yeah just a little bit it seems it seems like they're trying to make an entire game off of that premise and like that that could be a thing and that your character has to deal with is this guy actually like for real or no this guy is absolutely evil put him down and I feel like that's kind of something that Far Cry hasn't tried to do yet. And I'm a bit nervous that they, they're going to go and kind of establish this political sort of question and then never fully answer it. Instead, go, here, get bit by a bear for a while and then shoot that guy with a bow, you know, which is good. Like, I'm, I'm all for that. I love how Far Cry lets you do that kind of thing and lets you um, experiment in this big playground. But I'd like to see the series try to do a little bit more with its storyline. So... We'll, we'll see what happens. Should be good, I hope. <laughs> yep, exact. Cross your fingers on that one. The next big one, which actually should have been out soon until it got delayed, which I was not surprised. Red and Dead Redemption Dead. 2. Dude. So, oh man. That is my that is one of my most hyped this year. I'm there's, so excited. There's not even that much to say just because it's Rockstar, so they don't yep. actually, they haven't showed us much. It looks utterly tragic. It's gonna in like the best way. It's gonna hurt you. I mean, it's gonna well, be sad. Did you did you play the first one? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That game hurts you. But yeah. man, talk times. about talk about a a western story that in a video game eclipses most westerns that come out in theaters. Like it was so good. It's fantastic. It's it's so good. And so Red Dead Redemption Two. I think the rumors I've heard is that they're going back to when Marston was a part of the gang, right? Yeah, it's like a prequel. Right. Which, if that's the case, that's going to be really, really cool. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for that. It's going to be nuts. Yep. Um, next game, Anthem from Bioware. We don't know much about this. Ironically, I think we know more about the stakes of this for Bioware yeah. than about the game. Yep. And the stakes are that Mass Effect, but not really even only Mass Effect, but mainly Bioware's in trouble financially. Oh, and, exactly. and it's kind of terrifying because they're trying this really hard, like, online service game, which, like, destiny is probably the best at but like they're still getting absolutely skewered by everybody over it Mm -hmm. um the division is super weird and niche so only a few people have really bought into it long term so i'm a little bit terrified that we're about to see the implosion of bioware which is exception which is extremely like disappointing and a big bummer for i know both you and me because um uh, Dragon Age, which is one that I've gotten a little bit into, and I see the the, the potential in, um, is is one of their biggest biggest titles. Uh, Mass Effect, which 
was so well i mean i'm not going to you know overstate your opinions on andromeda because i think that'll have to be an episode later on um but i feel like that was without without question the best series of console generation like easily the best and then the new one just was so bungled that if they don't get this right then bioware is going to be gone like they uh, ea will can them and they won't even think twice about it. it's like uh, I, I'm worried. I'm anticipated, but I'm also very, very worried. Yeah, so it's weird because it's like I'm excited for the like premise of the game, but then mm-hmm. I'm full of this like dread. Yep, that it's not going to land well. Right. So I, I'd say like Red Dead is probably my most like I'm really excited to play it. Anthem, I am excited to play it, but I'm just like I can't wait for it to come out because I want to see how it yeah. how it turns out. Right. Um, the next one is Sea of Thieves. Mm-hmm. Talk about stakes. I didn't even realize this. This is ironic. Also big stakes because this is like Microsoft's only exclusive game. I can't even remember the last exclusive game. This is the only one they have calendared for this year? Well, no, it's the only one that they've had for a really long time. Like what's the last one? Gears of War. Ish. And like yeah. Halo. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Forza. Forza, I think, is coming. Yeah, I think I think Forza Forza is their other exclusive. Halo, Gears of War, um, both and... of which are series that should be done. Like, yeah, quite frankly, Obje- yeah. As much as I love Halo, it's it's kind of there are other games doing it better than you guys are doing. That's kind of the unfortunate case. Like, I mean, well, let the story end. <laughs> no, not the story end, but because I still. I still like Halo's story, you know, and I know I'm in the kind of unpopular group there, but I like the universe that Bungie created and that uh, 343 is kind of taking over. Um, I, I enjoy the concept of like a rogue AI and like what, you know, what role do you, it's, it's getting kind of more human than human sort of, which I love that kind of fiction. Um, and I'm interested to see what they do with the next one, but at the same time, like the gameplay wise, everything that I used to go to Halo 4, which was, very much not the story um, I am kind of bored with. Like, I think if I was to pick up Halo 5 and try to play it for a little while, I'd get bored pretty quick. That's too bad. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, Sea of Thieves, this is another game where it's supposed to be always on, um, always new stuff to do with friends. We'll I'll see if it works. Tell you what, though, I'm watching this one. I uh, I think you, you talked to me about it a little bit, and I went, huh, I'll go check this out. And I watched a couple videos, um, one of them by my boy griffin mcelroy uh doing some doing some uh some sea of thieves and just sailing around to just music i think it was literally like um uh enya he was sailing around in the dark to enya (laughs) for like nine minutes and it was so surreal and i'm going wait is this this isn't like just some kind of promo trailer this guy's just playing this game and it looked it looked really great and like exactly the kind of game uh gaming experience that i go for now as i'm you know a coach and a teacher where I have very little time to play games. And so I prefer them to be cathartic. It looked like the best kind of zone out, spend a little time, enjoy myself sort of deal. So yeah. looking, looking like it's going to be really good. Yeah. Fun and upbeat. All right. The next one, I am not plugged into this at all. So you're going well, to, here we go. Dude. God of war, God of war. Oh man. I thought it, uh, so backstory, I played God of war one, two and three when I was in high school and I don't think I ever played a game series that got me quite as pumped to play it 
as God of War did, it's objectively bad. Like, it is not a very great game, but at the same time, it is a great, great, great experience. Like, because if you're into uh, any sort of Greek mythology, it takes the immense tapestry that is Greek mythology and turns it into this bloody, debauchery-filled playground. And, like... I loved every every ounce of it, like metal mixed with like orchestral like yelling and like massive horn sections and choirs and you're ripping the heads off of gods and stuff. It's it's very it's very vicious and satisfying. And with all that in the past, that was like the the main character Kratos's past. In this new game, he is a father, he has grown older, he is more cautious, and the game reflects that where it incorporates your relationship with your son and has you kind of exploring this very open world sort of you have to find your way through it existence. But the main draw to it for me is instead of a Greek pantheon, it's a Norse pantheon. Which, like, even right now I said that and I'm getting tingles. Like, I'm so excited to see, okay, how are they going to handle my boy Kratos in a world where Odin is a thing? Like, that is going to be really, really cool. But again, that's just from, because I've got that those that decade of experience and background on it to just build off of my excitement. It's pretty crazy. I can't believe that they, yeah, you're right. It's like full of violence and debauchery. And then they're just like, let's make it like a father-son game. Yep. Which, I mean, they needed to evolve it some right. direction. So and I hope it lands. To, to be fair, I think uh, another thing that I that occurred to me when I was looking at this game and go, like realizing how excited I was for it is I can't come up from the perspective of saying, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a father." But a lot of the guys that would have enjoyed this game back when I was enjoying this game are probably um, you know, married or fathers now. And so you experience Kratos um, when he is this very angry, rebellious, "I'm going to kill everything for doing all these things to me." And then, you know, after the events of the first trilogy, now you've got Kratos as a grown man and a father with responsibilities to someone who he now has beneath him. And so you're you have this evolution in both the game and then realizing like you as the player are also older, like you have never you you who have that connection to Kratos. It's like Kratos, the character has evolved as you have grown. And so I'm excited. I think it has the potential to be like the continuation of a series that I really hoped wasn't done, but I didn't know how they were going to continue it. So I'm excited to see what they do. Super exciting stuff. Um, our next one is a little bit out of date. So we're yeah. going to have to cruise we, over it. We were late. It to needs its own episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We were late. To we, the party. we should skip that one. Cause we, we've got, we, we can do that one in an episode on its own. Yeah. Full episode on its own, but yep. monster hunter. Yep. You're, just gobbling it up oh god fantastic game Gobble. along with the rest of the world yeah it's a great example of something done horribly horribly right like horribly <laughs> right in the sense that i don't ever want to play anything else that's amazing yep um and it looks like finally last of us 2 yep it's just gonna be good yep there's yeah. there's no way it can't be there's yeah i don't even like sounds terrible because we're doing a video game podcast but like i don't even follow news for this stuff Mm -hmm. because like they're not going to want to give me spoilers i don't want any spoilers i don't want any information if i say if i see anything that has any i still haven't those trailers that came out for it i still haven't watched them um nope i'm not going to do it it's like 
It's in the same sense where I remember I would have never played Last of Us. I probably would have never even really seriously considered getting a PlayStation until um, you made me try it when I came up to visit you up in Portland. And that was like groundbreaking to me. And I remembered um, you saying it's pretty good. And I'd heard from a couple people, it's good, but it's not as good as everybody says it is. And then I don't know about you, but I played that thing start to finish. It is every bit as good as those people said it was. But yeah, I didn't I didn't want to oversell it to you. No. I was just like, you need to play, just sit down and play. Oh man. And you played that thing. It clicked for you too. I, I played it like I was living it. Yeah, you played it. You were really good at it. Yep. So final stage. This can probably go pretty quick, but industry expectations for the year. For sure. Um for me, FIFA is always there. I always get FIFA. It was really good this year. Yeah. Um, I've got FIFA 17. I haven't cracked into it yet. Yeah, we need to uh, we need to work on that. Okay. Um, Nintendo. So what's crazy is like literally Zelda and Mario were almost everyone's like game of the year number one and two choices last year. Mm-hmm. They have Yoshi confirmed. They have Kirby confirmed. Oof. There must be a Smash Bros. in development coming in the next year or two. Oh, God. We have a Pokemon RPG coming in the next year or two. Wait. We have... Like like a legit like like a full on like Pokemon Gold sort of thing or something new. I'm gonna Google this. So because do you remember uh, the Pokemon games that came out for the GameCube? Uh, Pokemon mm-hmm. Call yeah. and Pokemon whatever the second one was, the darker one. Uh, yeah, because those were great. Those were fantastic games. I loved those. A lot of people didn't get into them, but I got really into the fact that I was playing like a 3D character. I had great 3D battles and I was super into it. So. Yeah, no, they say it's a new game. Nobody really knows what it is or when it's coming. Oh boy. There's some speculation. It's later this year. Um, I've also heard some, it seemed pretty smart um, speculation that, that Nintendo would be on kind of a two year mega hit cycle, but uh, I don't know. Um, Metroid prime is all but confirmed because um, who makes it? Is it Capcom or uh, no? And I think is Sega. I don't think it's a Capcom game. No, who is it? I'm mixing up my Japanese. Uh, this is terrible. Uh, who is that developer? Uh, Retro Bandai Namco. Bandai Namco. Wow. Yeah. Dude, holy cow! Bandai Namco makes that. Apparently, Dude, yeah. I've never played so those, much. but. I want one to come out, and they've said that they're working on a first-person shooter for Switch. It says so, or it's confirmed for December 28th of this year. And the, yeah, that just got confirmed. So Ew. that's crazy. Dark Souls. Um, I was hoping for a collection, but Dark Souls One coming to Switch. Rockstar has multiple games on the Switch that have done amazing. So you'd have to assume, Wait, like people what? just. Um, La Noir. That's on the Switch. That's on the Switch. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. And also just like if Skyrim's on there, maybe we'll see a Fallout. I'm I don't sure, know. I'm sure you'll see Fallout 4. We'll get its port eventually. Um, although, to be fair, Bethesda didn't have as great a success with Fallout 4. Like Skyrim is kind of this. Skyrim is probably one of the best critically reviewed games in history, if not the best, um, which isn't unearned like it's objectively the one of the best games ever made if not the best game ever made 
like as far as what you go to a video game for Skyrim probably has it um which is like impressive and like the way that it, it created its own um you know palette for creators to work like I'm not shocked that Skyrim has made its way onto virtually every system that you could imagine but Fallout Fallout has a lot of flaws and so it could happen but I don't know we'll see yeah that's probably a fair critique when you put it that way yeah um Xbox I think we kind of said it all when <laughs> the fact that Sea of Thieves is their only you know that and Forza are like their only exclusives they've started that um game subscription service they're desperate yep they are it could be a real rough year for them they're i don't know that's because they, they need to get new ip is the problem um and they haven't been doing that and i don't really know why which because like microsoft doesn't seem like a company that's difficult to work with so it doesn't it doesn't have the same sort of restrictions and uh irritations that come with a company like sony which i love but they have a lot of issues with their network systems and with the amount of uh, leeway they allow their content creators to have. So I don't really know what's going on with Xbox in that regard. Like, I'm... They haven't cultivated developers. That's it. You're exactly right. They've got the network for it. But, um, you know, like, I mean, look at the games that they've got. Yeah. Like Gears of War 25 and Halo 34, you know? <laughs> they, they, haven't, they haven't diversified at all. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Sony's probably going to just keep cruising. This is like a victory lap for them. Right. PlayStation. Ugh. Yeah. So, so stoked for PlayStation's releases this year. That's, uh, we already talked about it a little bit. That's why I invested in a PS4 while I could, was because I knew that 2018 was just going to be the best year for Sony. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to get a piece, PS4 in the next like, year. And, and it's, it's at the point, honestly, where I'm like looking at it and going, you know, I've got all this stuff on Xbox, like, but PlayStation has just so many great titles coming out that maybe, you know, with one of my paychecks, I'll just, instead of getting a game, I'll just throw down on like a year of PlayStation Network and then just play like PlayStation stuff online. They release something cool and just give it a go. And then I can get like, you know, some gold, some PlayStation Network discounted titles and kind of really enjoy all the different titles that PlayStation has that have been like unanimously talked up um for instance uh what's the one that giant bomb just swears to god is the greatest thing ever made um god. metal gear survive which one metal gear survive oh dude i heard that game was garbage <laughs> i know i'm totally joking I I was, hate like, it. <laughs> I've, I've heard nothing but just um have you ever heard one, one another one of my favorite content creators and uh game reviewers uh video game donkey um who uh, weirdly enough, the only three review centers that I listen to are Giant Bomb, Dunkey, and Polygon. And uh, Dunkey reviewed Metal Gear Metal Gear Survive because um, he reviews big big releases, and he was just like, "This is the worst game I've ever played. Like this <laughs> this game is awful." And just shows Konami is going into the dirt pretty soon because they released a certain big boy. So, you know, ouch, man. Yeah. Oof. It's a bummer. Well, it's an exciting game. It's an exciting year for games. Yes, it is, dude. I'm I'm really stoked. It's a it's a good year, good time to be be a be a geek, I suppose. So I guess you know it's just end of February. We got that in just before March, although this won't be published in time. That's our 
late, late, late to the party. Super late. The latest. The latest 2017 recapping games. If there's anything you can count on from us, we'll probably be last. Almost always. Maybe not. We'll try. We'll, we'll eventually we'll just, could we eventually like hope to be just the party? Maybe not. That sounds kind of lame. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? We could be, we could be uninformed at the party. <laughs> who invited them to the party? <laughs> that, that could work. Who, who invited those guys? That should be our Let's Play series. Who invited them? Who invited them? That That's our Let's Play. Oh, boy. All right. 2017, that's a wrap. Yep. We, good deal. Excellent. See you, man. All right, man. Take it easy.